Well, good morning, church family. It's so great to see you here this morning. Um, If we haven't met, my name is Stephanie. I am the campus director around here, and I also have the high privilege of being a part of the preaching team here at Eastridge. I'm super excited. (laughs) Darcy's excited too. I'm excited to be here to be able to uh, just to give this message that's the second in a two-part series. Uh, The series is entitled, I'm In. I don't know if you've seen the posters around um, the atrium with the I'm in, but like my voters of those stay up all year round. Like they make me smile every single time. I just think they are great. But um, if you did not get to hear Gary's message last week, I'm going to encourage you to go back and listen. It was a powerful message about how each one of you is invaluable, invaluable, and how uh, when, when we become a Christian. Uh, When we become indwelled by the Holy Spirit, uh, we are engrafted and adopted into this beautifully messy community, this family called the body of Christ. And you're a part. When you become a Christian, that's not an optional part of the package. Like you are a part of the body of Christ. And last week, Gary talked about how once we are saved, every single one of us is gifted. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts and they are to be used to build up his kingdom. And when I'm doing my part, when I'm being the part of the body that God has created me to be, it brings health and growth and power within the body of Christ. When I don't, the health and the growth and the power of the body of Christ is stunted. And so I'm going to encourage you to go back and listen to that if you haven't. Here's the thing. We are equipped to do what God calls us to do. We've been given these gifts. And today we're going to talk about how those gifts are to be invested. We are to be invested. Like, I'm in. So this week, uh, I did a little bit of research. And I don't know if you guys know this business, but we're going to play a little game here to see if you guys know. I was shocked when I looked at some of these investing numbers. So let's talk about, let's just say, uh, what if you invested $5,000 in 1980, when the music was fantastic, okay, $5,000 into this startup company called Apple, okay, back in 1980. What do you think you'd be sitting on right now? Anyone? $3.37 million. You just take that five G's, you stick it in an account, and now you would have $3.37 million. All right, let's keep the game going. All right, $5,000, the same $5,000 in this startup company in 1997 when unfortunately the top uh, song on the Billboard's charts was Mbop by Hanson. <laughs> Went downhill from the 80s, guys. 1997, you invested 5Gs into Amazon. What would you be sitting on right now, anyone? $6.8 million. This investing business is important. All right, now I'm about to blow your mind. This is the last one, last one. Same $5,000 back in 2010. You invested in this weird stuff called Bitcoin. Bitcoin. You invested... $5,000 $5,000 in 2010 in Bitcoin, you would be sitting on $1.4 billion right now. 
I know, that was my response. The principle of investing is powerful. <laughs> it is powerful. Now, I will say that for every great investment, there were some that are not so fantastical. They are not so wise. Anyone remember AOL? Anyone? Is that a thing? JC Penny? Anyone? Blockbuster? I know, it's sad. We like the catalog business. Um, we all want to invest wisely in all areas of our life, and it's not just finances. We invest in our families. We invest in our homes. We invest in our marriages. We invest in our health. We invest in our resumes. But the question that I'm asking all of us today, me included, is how much time do we spend pouring over and researching and praying through our investment in the kingdom of God? Today we're going to talk about being invested because as Christians, it's what we do. We invest our time. We invest our resources. We invest our gifts. We invest our lives and the whole body benefits. Now here's what I don't want. I don't want this message to seem like any kind of guilt trip or any kind of manipulation. It's like Gary said last week, this is a call from God. You've been equipped by God. He's given you these things not because he wants something from you. He loves you. He wants something for you. So that is what we are going to talk about today. We're about to see that Jesus has a lot to say about this. In both Matthew and Luke's Gospels, there's this parable that Jesus tells uh, that is talking, he talks about, he talks about investing our lives a lot, but this is a parable. It happens uh, in both Matthew and Luke's Gospels, and I want to look at it. If you want to crack open your Bibles, uh, Matthew 25 is where we will be starting in verse 14. It'll be up here on the screen as well. So let's look at it. Here we go. For it, he's referring to the kingdom of God, will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them. He made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. He who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And then he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. And look at what his master said. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had one talent came forward saying, Master, I, I, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. But, but here, have back what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I've not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. 
then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was mine with at least interest, right? So take the talent from him. Give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You see, Jesus took seriously this idea of investing what has been given to us. So here's the first point. Jesus has invested in me. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus has invested in me. Look at your next neighbor and say, he invested in you too. <laughs> Listen, sometimes we can read this parable and we feel kind of sorry for the guy that just got one talent, right? We can go, we can kind of understand his bitterness, his laziness, his misunderstanding of his master. He's like, dang, he just got one talent. The other guy's got two times and, and five times what he got. You're like, let's cut him some slack, right? But then you find out that theologians have been wrestling with what, what is a biblical talent? Like how much money are we talk about, Jesus, right? How much money? Scholars believe that one talent was worth $600,000. The equivalent of today's $600,000. Not chump change, right? And here's the thing. Jesus has invested in you and me, and it's not chump change either. Sometimes we look around and we go, man, if, if I could preach like Gary or sing like Cam, or, or do the techno business like they do in the booth, or, or teach the Bible like they do back in E-Town, or have lots of money. Man, yeah, I'd invest. But my gift isn't as big, or as important, or as easy, or as celebrated. I'm just not sure I have anything to offer or just not sure it's worth it. And we bury our gifts in insecurity, in pride, or in laziness, and the entire body of Christ suffers. There was a time in my life, even after I was saved, even after I've been on staff at a church for 12 years, when I buried my gift for almost two years. My excuse was I was burnt out. For 12 years, my family and I, we were at the church every time the doors opened. Twice on Sunday, once on Wednesday, midweek, leading growth groups, doing the things, getting there early, staying late. And you know what my excuse was? I'm tired. <laughs> I, other people can do the things. I'm done doing the things. But what I didn't understand then, and what I'm afraid some of us have forgotten now, is that your gifts, the specific gifts that you have, the mix, the unique mix of different gifts you have, the more than $600,000 investment that Jesus has made in you is irreplaceable. Someone else can't do it. It's for you. It's for you. You can't sit on the sidelines. 
Because for those two years, when I buried my gift in pride and in laziness, kingdom work that should have been going on, darkness defeating kingdom work was stunted. My part of the body of Christ was not functioning properly or at all. And the body of Christ suffered. So what are we talking about? What has Jesus invested in you? Like what, what are you supposed to look for, right? All right, let's look at two scriptures. Ephesians 4 says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Let's look at Romans 12. In his grace. I love that it starts like that. It's not like in his, he needs you to do the things. He doesn't need you to do the things. <laughs> this is for you. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, man, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Some of you are gifted to lead. It's hard, but it's for you. Some of you are gifted to teach adults in growth groups or children in uh, Adventureland or E-Town. Some of you are so encouraging. It just rolls off your tongue or off your pen or off your texting thumbs. I love that. Some of you are so hospitable that you make anyone feel comfortable like they belong. Some of you have this gift of mercy where you can walk into a super hard situation and bring grace and bring goodness. Some of you have the gift of faith that when things go sideways, when things get tough, you stand up. You're a person of faith. Some of you serve with joy. You seem to have a, a, just, just a, a bottomless pit of, of joy that just keeps on coming out when you serve. And I want you to remember in the parable that we looked at, success was not measured by quantity, right? The two-talent servant and the five-talent servant got the same reward. Success is measured by degree of effort, right? How much do you and I care? How much do we try? God sees our hearts. Listen, the church global needs you to use your gifts. This church, the church local, needs you to use your gifts. I, as your sister in Christ, need you to use your gifts because when you do, the church is built up. We are built up. I, as your sister in Christ, am built up when you use your gifts. Jesus has invested in you so that you'll use your gifts to build up his church. It's a high calling. And again, he doesn't want this from you. Guys, 
He is the Lord of glory. He's the king of kings. He can do whatever he wants whenever. He flung stars off of his fingertips and calls them out by name. It's for you. Have you ever been a part of something great? Like something that it was hard, but on the other side of it, you were like, I cannot believe I got to be a part of that. Like I think about the men who wrote the Constitution. That is fantastic. Or the people who gave their lives to abolish slavery. Ginormous. You think it was hard? Yeah. Yeah. Or putting a man on the moon. Or raising a family in the Lord and seeing your grandchildren love and serve Jesus. Or praying and witnessing to someone year after year after year after year and finally seeing them bow to Jesus as their king and savior. (laughs) God wants that for you. He wants that for you. Look at what Ephesians 4 says. Their responsibility, now he's talking about the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers that we saw earlier. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church the body of Christ. I love this. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Listen, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Can you see the results? Both inside and outside the church, if we operate the way that God has created us to operate, if we, op- if we operate individually the way that God has created us to operate, if we operate corporately the way that God has created us to operate, look at the results. Unity, maturity, love. Can you imagine the sense of belonging that would be in this place? People would step foot on this campus and go, yeah, I'm wanted here. I have a place to belong here. Can you imagine the encouragement, the fulfillment, if we all operated this way? And can you imagine a more powerful witness to the watching world than a church made up of all types of people, all ages, all colors, all backgrounds, all socioeconomic, all creeds, unified in maturity and love? It would be so compelling. It would be so life-giving. It would be such an accurate picture of our God. And you and I would get to be a part of something so holy, so amazing. Because when you and I are invested, the church grows. Here's the last bit of that Ephesians 4 passage. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. 
as each part, I love this, does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Our world needs this, guys. As each part, raise your hand if you're a part of the body of Christ. Anyone out there? Okay, fantastic, good. As each part does its special work, it helps everybody grow. You and I have a choice. We can, we can live our lives amassing stuff and experiences and comfort, investing in the lesser things. We can spend our lives doing that. But I'll tell you, there are tons of testimonies that play this out, probably even in this room. It just doesn't last. It doesn't fulfill. After the thing loses its luster, the experience is over, we're left empty. And we need the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. It never fulfills. We as Christ followers are called to invest in the higher things, in the eternal things, in the kingdom building things. You know exactly what I mean if you've been that person in Adventureland that has helped a child to feel safe and cared for and to understand maybe for the first time that church is good and that there are people there who love me. Or maybe you will understand if you've been in E-Town and you've helped children to understand that we serve a great big God and yes, he is mighty and yes, he is powerful, but he loves you so much and he's good and he's faithful and he can be trusted. You understand if you've worked with students and you've helped them to see their value, who they are in Jesus. You see that light come on and they understand that they are amazing in Christ Jesus, that he's gifted them to do things that nobody else can do. You know what I'm talking about if you've served as a greeter or the hospitality host at the cafe or the information center, and you have helped people who have no idea why they are stepping foot in a church to feel comfortable and wanted and a part of the family of God. Or maybe in here, you've been a part of the usher team and you have helped the body to worship their king through giving or on stage or in the tech booth and help set the table, set the atmosphere for worship. You know what I'm talking about if you've done any of those things. Our loving Savior wants this for you. Guys, these aren't just tasks that keep the church going. These are holy endeavors. These are kingdom-building, darkness-defeating works. And he wants that for you. And he wants it for me. Jesus, who wants more for us than, than we even want for ourselves, look at this life principle that he gives us in Matthew 6. He says, guys, don't, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven 
where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. At the last moment of our lives, don't we want to look back and say, yeah, well spent. By the grace of God, I invested my life wisely. And then the very next second to hear, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. I do. You're invaluable. You are invaluable. You have been given a specific mix of gifts that can be invested in things eternal. Are you in? Are you in? Now, some of you want to be in, but you have no idea what spiritual gifts you've been given. You think the master forgot to dole you out one. Well, I'm telling you, he didn't. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, he has gifted you. And there's a fantastic resource that I want to call your attention to. Uh, so that, this is a tool in your hand. It's called the shape assessment. Shape stands for spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, and experiences. And this assessment helps you to walk through these things to see how God has specifically gifted you, your special work, as it was called in Ephesians 4. Uh, now, if you want to get out your phones and take a pic of this next website or maybe jot it down in your notes, this is where you can go to take the assessment faux free right here, freeshapetest.com. Take a picture, write it down, go and do it. Now, I will warn you, grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea because it's about 72 questions. <laughs> but it's like pick one through five. Do you do this? Do you say this? Do you love to do this? Anyway, but it is so accurate when it gets to the bottom and it gives you percentages of mercy and leadership and all, all the things. So it's fantastic. It, it's worth your worth your time. Now, last thing, I don't know if you noticed or not, but I'm wrapping up about 10 minutes early. Can I get a hoorah? <laughs> yeah, but the reason is not so you can go to lunch early. Um, we have some tables out in the atrium that has opportunities for you to invest your life in the local body of Christ. And what I would love for you to do, I've asked the cafe to stay open and to be stocked fully of coffee. What I would love for you to do is just visit these tables and see if there is a place where you can plug in. And, and look, when, when I was a young believer, I didn't know what my spiritual gifts were. I just tried stuff, you know? And if I was terrible, I was like, that's not it, you know? Try something different. So I, I just encourage you, just Try different things. You will find a sense of belonging once, you are, uh, once you're in a growth group, a ministry team. I'm telling you, God wants this for you. So um, if you have kids in A-Land and E-Town, don't go get them yet. 
Don't go get them yet. Those people that like they spend hours and hours planning for your children, loving your children. So let's just let them have their time for now. You can grab a cup of coffee. You can mill about if you're already on a team. Maybe you want to go out there. Maybe you want to grab someone and go, hey, you want a team? You're not? Come with me. Let's go find you something. All right? So I'm going to pray over us. But listen, guys. See where you can invest. We're called to invest in the higher things. We're called to invest in kingdom building things. Whose kingdom are we building? We're called to build his. It's a high calling, but he's equipped us fully to do it. So let me pray, and we'll be dismissed. God, thank you. God, we always stand in awe of who you are and that you know exactly who we are. And yet you have set your affections upon us. You've gifted us so that we can partner with the most high God in bringing the kingdom of God here to earth. And so God, we praise you. We thank you. God, I pray that you would help us to honor you in all that we do and say. We pray that the name of Jesus would be lifted high, not only in this place, but in our community and in our world. Help us to invest in the higher things. We love you. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his precious and holy and powerful name we pray. Amen. All right, y'all spend some time milling about, chit-chatting with friends, signing up all the places. Y'all have a great week. We'll see you next week.